I love Drag Race because it was, I mean, I was a big reality TV star. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Cop On, where we make sense of things you probably don't care about with a hefty side of lukewarm social critique. I'm Lucy and Bella, where have you been, loca? I'm Julia and you're perfect. You're beautiful. You look like Linda Evangelista. You're a model. Everything about you is perfect. Did you stone those tights? And I'm Ash. No, it's Becky. Uh, if you are chronically online, you'll probably understand that we're referencing fandoms of many different types. And that's actually what the episode's about today. Ooh, ooh, if the title didn't give it away. <laughs> um, what was you guys' first experience with fandoms? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I was a very big fandom girl. Uh, when I was younger I think every teenage girl is into a fandom at some point like I was very much obsessed with McFly and Jonas Brothers with a kind of like lust and passion that I have not experienced in my 20s or 30s now and I kind of miss it a bit like you know when you had those real big crushes um, when you were younger and you just became so obsessed like I was proper in the McFly fandom going online like downloading videos like you know, when you would record, screen record videos of like interviews and stuff and I would oh, just have yeah. folders and folders of them. I was reading fan fiction. I was making people go out to buy newspapers that they were in, cutting out clippings of them. It got a bit dark after a while, but um, but yeah, I was very, very into them. Did the McFlydom have a name and was it McFlydom? I don't even think it did. Like, so when I think about fandoms, I know that I was definitely in it and the same with the Jonas Brothers, but I wasn't in it in the terms of like, connecting with people I was just a very big diehard fan but alone <laughs> that sounds really weird and bad I think a, a little known fact about Ash and I don't think it's the impression that you give off to people who've met you is that you're actually like quite obsessive as a person <laughs> and I think it's what gives you your your diehard work ethic but it also is what makes you fill gigabyte upon gigabyte yeah of just of videos of McFly videos like of Dougie really weird ones as well like even finding them on Japanese television shows and stuff like I couldn't even understand um, and I would just have to obsessively look at this and then write little like I actually wrote in my junior cert about McFly no in my English paper <laughs> like that's just Amazing. how obsessed I got with them <laughs> um, who was your favourite obviously Dougie I, I obviously. thought it would be Dougie yeah he's like a natural choice I feel yeah because he didn't talk as much I think so you could really just like put whatever personality you wanted yeah. onto him that's a good point Dougie was a nothing <laughs> yeah, you could just be like, well, I'm just going to project my ideal man on you and therefore you are my favourite. Wow, I feel like in one fell swoop you've cracked Dougie. Yeah, maybe. That's uh, it, that's the episode. We don't need to continue. That's it, we're done. It was actually just an episode about Dougie from McFly. I did. I read their um, autobiography a few years ago. Does it have a funny name? Uh, I, think it was, I think it was All About You. I think that's what it was called. Aw, that's kind of but, um, they Well, he was very much on a lot of drugs. They partied very hard and that, he had a very big drug mm. addiction. To be fair, if I was like a hot, late teenager who everybody fancied, I think I'd also do that. Yeah, because they were also like a put together band. They yeah, weren't I think most like boy bands a manufactured are. band. That's what it's called. Put together. Put together. A jigsaw, if you will. <laughs> and one last question, Ree McFly. Uh, what's your favourite McFly song? Uh, I... Oh. I actually love that uh, the Transylvania one, even though it's a bit weird. Like I, I went back and I listened to a lot of their music, and I was like, "This music actually kind of sucks," but I love it I disagree. so much. Um, I do love "All About You," obviously. Another song, another great song. Um, what about Star Girl? Star Girl is yeah. great. Star Girl is really good. 
There is a lot. Five colors. Five colors is a classic. It is. I love five colors. I think it was the first McFly song I'd ever heard. Anyway, that was a nice talk about McFly. Thank you. That's (laughs) it. End of episode. Uh, It's over. We all know who we want to be in a Dougie. Teach me how to Dougie. Uh, Julia, what is your first experience with fandom? I think my first experience with fandoms, I'd never been so involved in fandom that I've been active online. And I do attribute to this attribute this mainly to the fact that I never figured out how to use Tumblr. If I had done that, I think I would have been sucked into many fandoms. I was a McFly fan. And I also think it was McFly versus Busted. I think that yeah, was like was very the vibe. Girl. I liked Busted, but I was definitely more McFly. Uh, I've seen McFly live. I've I seen think I was at that the, Yeah, probably. I've seen the Jonas Brothers live twice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Great performers. Recommend. Would see them again. Yeah. Um, but I think probably the first time that I would be considering myself as part of a fandom would have been Harry Potter. I was a big Potterhead. I went to the bookstores. Um, but not to like the big official launches. I went to the little bookstore in Maynooth. Um, and I was always the first person for the launches for the fifth, sixth and seventh because I was too young before that and I read all the other ones. Uh like, yeah, I was big into into L. Harry Potter. I think I, create, I created a little club for the second last book in school where it was strictly no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we would discuss things as we were reading the book and it was just a real sweet moment. That is really cute. That's really lovely. I was definitely a Harry Potter fan. I don't think to that level. But I remember in school we also had, it wasn't a club per se, but it was like a fierce competition about the fastest readers. Oh, yeah. Oh. That, that was an undercurrent. It was not explicit, but it was definitely like, well, where are you? And then yeah. when everybody was reading Twilight when we were all 16, mm-hmm. same vibe. Yeah, same vibe on Twilight for sure. That is my big fandom. It was definitely Twilight. This is before the movies, um, naturally. I liked it before it was cool. <laughs> I liked it before it was cool. Um, I liked it just as the nerds were letting go of, go of it and kind of as it was coming a little bit more into the mainstream as a book. For a while, it was just like a nerd thing, which sounds rude, but like it was for like Buffy fans, you know? Right, okay. And then as it was coming towards people like me, I was like, oh, I'm into this. I went to the Breaking Dawn midnight thingy in Eason on O'Connell Street um, and paid. And because this is what I remember very much. It was during the recession. That was when the last Twilight book came out. And you could only buy the hardback. Like, that's just true of all books. You usually have to buy a hardback. Right. And I remember it being like 20 euro, which is like so much money for a teenager during a recession. Mm-hmm. And just like bite, biting my cheek and being like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> take my 20 euro. I got a poster. Nice. <laughs> and like, I think there was like some pop bags of popcorn. Like it was such a shit launch. I think there's like bags of popcorn around. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, who the fuck was the publisher that they really fucked it that bad? Because the Harry Potter ones were more wholesome, even in local small towns. Yeah. Well, I think part of that is because Twilight made us feral. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, are you team Edward or team Jacob? And I have so many memories of being in, because we were in transition year when it came out and being in the TY area that we would like have our lunches in, surrounded by girls and it would be like full arguments mm-hmm. about which one and like I'm firm team Jacob no wrong. no Julia I was going to say who's actually team Jacob oh my god this oh, no. is the end of the podcast people, sorry people who say they're team Jacob are just trying to be quirky let's be real no he was sorry. a loser Edward was abusive like actively yeah, abusive he was, so was but he Jacob. wasn't a loser <laughs> no okay. Jacob was such a Jacob, loser Jacob first of all okay Jacob dies, which is a much better... I don't forgot want... he died. Well, no, he doesn't die he canonically. He doesn't die. He just can oh. die. <laughs> he 
Jacob will eventually die. Edward, you have to die to be with Edward. Edward is cold, so he's not fun to snuggle. Hard as rock. I have a lot of questions about his dick. Yeah, me too. Like, I think we all well, did back then too. But canonically, if you're hard as rock, he's got a perpetual boner. Okay. So the only thing is, Jacob falls in love with her daughter. Like, yeah, he wants to gross. fuck her daughter. No, I, I agree with you on I that. Think, Come on. <laughs> but like, I don't think that's Jacob. Like, I, I want I, to take it outside of canon. That's Stephanie Mayer Myers' fault, okay? She wanted, it like, a complete end. She didn't want to, like, open the air being like, oh, maybe she could have ended up with Jacob. She wanted it to be... It's oh, fucking it's, done. It's because she was a Mormon. She was like, it's fine to sleep it's with sleep, well, someone underage. It's totally fine. It wasn't. There was the so whole thing. So long as they got married. No, there was the whole thing <laughs> that they were going to do. Like, he's her protector until he gets to a certain yeah, well, time. And then just, he's going to love her. That is grooming. It is grooming. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. I went to um, the Twilight Marathon in the Lighthouse last summer, I think it was. Or like February. Sometime in the past. I can't remember. But I always thought that that feralness had kind of left itself in the teenage girl era. We got to movie three, which is the worst movie by far Mm. out of all five. Like nothing happens. It's really boring. Everyone's been drinking. This thing is going to go on for 12 hours. People have started drinking. Everyone's getting a bit loose. It's a boring movie. Things start to erupt. There was a woman beside me who just kept yelling out, Team Edward, fuck Jacob. And at one point I thought that both sides of the cinema were going to riot. I was like... Things are getting a bit feral in here. Like, this is insane. Did you think they were going to riot? Or did you think they were going to have a massive baseball match (laughs) to muse? (laughs) I mean, that would have been actually very enjoyable. And I should have pushed it a bit further for that. But um, yeah, I just didn't... I didn't realise that it still kind of held true to a lot of people. And that everyone still had a lot of high emotions around it. Uh, It was both terrifying and really comforting. I, I think maybe in that setting that would come out of me. But I don't, I've never felt strongly attached to movie Jacob or movie Edward. Movie Edward a little bit more. I think Robert Pattinson was actually quite good casting for Edward. I do not think Jacob, (laughs) I don't think that Taylor Lautner was the Jacob. I think, I agree. I think Robert Pattinson, great Edward. I think Kristen, 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 Kristen Stewart, excellent excellent Bella it couldn't have been anyone else looking back you're like it couldn't have been someone else it had to be her I when I tell you I rewatch these movies all the time they're the best hate watch movies in the world especially the first one the grace the weird blue sepia like the blue tone oh hilarious the scene where they meet and he's like (laughs) pulling away because of the blood and you're just like what is happening I recently recently a couple of months ago had a first date we went for coffee then we came back to mine he had never seen Twilight and we watched the first two because I I was like you need to see this like you can't go through life and not have seen Twilight Um, the first one was a much better watch the second one just isn't as it's not as cringy and like that's why you're watching it New Moon's a bad book as well in my opinion sorry uh, I think it's fine. Like the third one is definitely the worst shit that I've ever seen in no, my life. I haven't Actually, seen the movie, so I I what? go off Eclipse being the best book. I stopped watching the movies. Have you not time. finished the movies? You've not no. finished the movies. You don't know about the scenes in the Breaking Dawn Part One and Two. Oh like, my god! Oh, like, but what? I do because I read the book. No, 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 no. no, 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 no you no, need no. to see the movies. We have to have a movie night. You have to watch all the movies. There's a. I have a fun fact about um, boyfriend of the pod, Jack. Uh, he used to have a Twilight like cinema movie club when he lived in Edinburgh and they went to see all of them in cinema I believe Aww. as he should that was the correct move on his part he, I cannot believe you haven't seen it we have to watch it we have to watch it all together oh maybe that's what for my housewarming anyway off topic <laughs> um, yeah back to 
back to fandoms in general. <laughs> More fandoms. Let's talk about what a fandom is before we crack into it. Because I suppose most people know what they are. But like, I think there is like a kind of specific level of passion. I'm going to say one phrase and I want you all to, t- to tell me what comes to mind. Super who luck. <laughs> so I saw this word written down in the plan. <laughs> And was like, what? And then I was like, okay, it's a combination, right? It's Sherlock, Doctor Who, and then the super I couldn't figure supernatural. out. Supernatural. It was supernatural. supernatural. And what word does Super Who Lock remind you of, Ash? Tumblr. It was all over it. Like when I was thinking about teenage fandoms, when I saw the phrase Super Who Lock on the internet, I was like, oh my God, it's unlocked memory. There used to be like triptychs of like the supernatural boys. Uh, your man. Benedict Cumberbatch Mm -hmm. and also the other thing Doctor Who guy and there used to be like the three of them in like kind of like sexy pictures and people were were like writing fan fiction between all three and like I don't know how bringing that much passion to one thing is something bringing it to three different TV shows at the same time feels like something you could only do as a teenager to be fair (laughs) yeah you have to have the time that you don't have when you're working a full-time job like that's reality Mm -hmm. but I had a I used to work with someone um she was a mega mega Harry Potter fan (laughs) we were having a conversation once on break this is when I was working in Disney she's French and they were talking about Harry Potter and I entered into the conversation and they were talking about Quidditch and then I made a joke of being like well you know like Ireland won the Quidditch World Cup because canonically in the books we did Mm -hmm. we Um, did and in the and in the movie Sure. Also in the movie. And then she looked at me dead in the eyes. I was just like, yeah, but like France won the real one. And I was like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> There's real Quidditch World Cups where like nations play against each other. It's humans on brooms Stop. running around on a pitch, throwing. And I was like, this is, it's, I'm all for, like, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but like, this is weird. She had, she's like collected loads of like the paraphernalia. She posted all about Her it. real world Quidditch? For Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Like, just total Harry Potter. Uh, no, no, no. She got a tattoo of the dark mark on her left arm. Oh, She had no. no other tattoos. And she wasn't really someone... Who, like, it didn't fit the rest of her aesthetic. Now, go for it. Do the things that you want. One thing I do think I really like that she did is she had two cats. One was white, one was black. And she le- named them Lumos and Nox. Oh, and I was cute. like, that's, that's good. I'm on board for this. But she also used to write, like... I think it was snippets of fan fiction... Um, and then she was pairing them with photos and pictures that she was getting off of Tumblr and she would be posting this on Facebook this is how I could see it of um, Draco Malfoy and Hermione Granger being together which is like a big side fan fiction thing of the Harry Potter realm and I was just like we are adults (laughs) I just don't know if I have the energy to like pour into this I feel like it's something that I think not that you should grow out of like obviously you can do whatever you want but it just seems like you naturally do because as I said like teenagers you've got so much more time and you obsess over things like when we were going through like all of the fandoms that we were all obsessed with I was like no yeah I was obsessed with all of them to an insane degree as you said I am quite an obsessive person but I think as a teenager like anything new that came in I was super obsessed with and then Tumblr came around and that was just a breeding ground for fandoms like I don't think fandoms would be where what they are now without Tumblr I think Tumblr I know they were like there before and they've been there for many years before whatever but I think Tumblr really pushed the limits of what a fandom is and how people interact with it coming up with their own lore going crazy you know yeah and even spreading canon I feel like we're saying all these fandom words (laughs) canon lore (laughs) but it's true I think Tumblr really like uh, proliferated it nearly 
Um, what was he going to say? I did want a Dark Mark tattoo and I'm so glad I didn't get it. I also really wanted a, a VFD tattoo from <gasps> Series Unfortunate yes. Events. But these are two tattoos that I'm glad I didn't get now, especially since the guy who wrote a Series Unfortunate Events said something racist at a book. And uh, JK Rowling is, yeah, <laughs> has done what she's done. Yeah. yeah, she's done what she's done. But even then, when you think about the dark mark, I think when I was like 14, I probably didn't fully get that it was supposed to be like a swastika, just in a different realm. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. Like, I, I also really wanted to get a Harry Potter tattoo. I am glad now that I didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I never did that. I think we the way we understand fandoms now has been so shaped by Tumblr. And also, I think I used to think about fandoms as being really specifically... I guess I, I categorize it differently where I had like fandoms for like media, like as in like TV shows or books or movies or whatever. And then the fandoms that you have for singers. And I used to think of them as two very different things, even though like I would have used fandom interchangeably for Mm -hmm. both because that's what they are. And without Tumblr, you definitely don't have what fandoms are today. Like that mobilization that people do is insane. Absolutely insane. I think that, yeah, I, I think now that there's more like proper fandoms with lore and with canon for things like Taylor Swift. She has canon. She has lore. I remember recently I was talking to someone and I was like, oh yeah, like Gaylers and Hetlers. And she's like a big, it's Alan who I work with. Alan listens to this sometimes. So hi, Alan. She's like a big Taylor Swift fan. Um, And she was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I was like, you don't know about Gaylers and Hetlers? Like the lore of Taylor Swift is so large Mm -hmm. that there's different segments that some people don't know about. That's, that is, there's just so much to go there. And I do agree that there is, uh, like that difference between, you know, TV, movies and stuff where people get really obsessed with them because you obsess with this make-believe story almost and yeah. you can make up your own thing. Whereas when people go after singers or actors, it just balloons because it's no longer that same way that it was on Tumblr of just kind of making up little posts about it. And I also think Taylor Swift really fed into it because she was known to like go around Tumblr and start liking certain things to be like, oh no, yeah, this is true, whatever. But... It kind of started as that and now fandoms around singers or like actual real life people has gone into like such another drastic realm that it's it's not just confined to like making up your own things. It's also trying to bend that person to your own narrative of them almost. To Dougie point to them. Um, <laughs> no, 100%. And I think like people are bringing the energy of a fandom that, of something that's fiction mm-hmm. yeah. to a real yeah. person and a person's real life. Like nobody wrote that Taylor Swift and Diana Agron were in deep love with each other. That's a personal belief, okay? Um, <laughs> that's just fact. That's just <laughs> fact. Um, you know, like... It's different. Of course, you can be like, oh, yeah, I'm Team Edward. Jacob sucks because <laughs> Jacob wasn't real. Yeah. But like when when there's these people in these stories, it can't. There's not like a binary in real life. Well, I suppose there are some binaries in real life. But like it's not as like polarizing, obviously, because <laughs> people are nuanced and haven't been written. <laughs> exactly. Like the one thing that springs to mind for me. And I don't know because I didn't research into it too much. So I don't know exactly how real it is, but it did come from like actual Taylor Swift fans. But after the whole Maddie Healy thing, um, the Swifties decided they wanted to unionize. And I thought that this was the I most, saw this. This was the most unhinged thing that I've ever seen in my life. Because it really is going from that whole being in a fandom, just being obsessed with someone, to then thinking that you own this person and own their life and not realizing that they are an actual human being at the end of this. And it's not fake. This is their actual real life. So they were like, I can't remember the actual specifics of it, but I remember 
that one big thing was that they wanted to have a meeting with Taylor Swift, her management and like the heads of the union that they were going to elect to discuss like what way her music was going to go, who she was going to date, any of these things, because it had a direct impact on the fans and the fans were the ones who made her and the fans should deserve like a cut of her money and all of this stuff. It's about a five to six page infographic. I'll try to find it. We can put it up on the on the Instagram and stuff. It is absolutely unhinged to the point that it, it almost reads like satire. But the more you look into it, I don't think it fully is. No, it, it wasn't. I, it's I, real. I saw some of it on Twitter one time when I logged on to see the Dogecoin, I think. Um, <laughs> I genuinely think that's why I was on it. And then I saw the unionized the Swift two worlds collide <laughs> Elon I suppose Elon Musk has a fandom I think they have a name as well I think they're Musks or something I mean I call them Musk boys no do you know what would be a way better name Musketeers um, I mean they would never call themselves that because it sounds so stupid but I think we should absolutely do that to be fair that's how I feel about the phrase Marketeers about my job I'm like ew I'm <laughs> is that anyway. a thing yeah, people say marketeers and it makes me want to throw Ew. up on my mouth every single time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, fandoms have gone, fandoms gone wild. It's absolutely insane to me that we are talking about a fandom who are trying to unionise and control like a living, breathing person's life, dating life, like their career, etc. Like if you don't want her money, if you don't want to give money, if you like, why would you think that you deserve a cut of money? It's insta- insanity. It really is. And uh, their whole thing was that they have mobilized and they have made her who she is. They put her on this big pedestal. And I mean, to an extent, obviously, people need fans to buy their music, to buy tickets to their tour. That is fully a thing. But no one is forcing you into this. No one is saying that this is a, a job and you have to do it. You do this out of your own free will. You do this in your own time. So you can't expect someone to give you a cut. And I mean, that would be a great thing if she was like, hey, you know, I'll give some money towards certain fan clubs or whatever. But they also wanted complete control over everything that she did. And that to me is like, do they not realise just how disgusting that is? Like, that's insane. Yeah. And like, it's powered by the internet, I suppose. Because when we were doing the research for this podcast, um, Sherlock Holmes, the books, were one of the first fandoms. And I suppose the community would have been built around like um, meetings and people getting together to discuss them. And I think that one of the best things about the internet is that fandoms have like an instant community. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to even like set up a meeting. You can be part of the fandom every day, like actively in forums, actively on subreddits, talking to people, tweeting about things, yada, yada, yada. Um, But yeah, I think that's kind of what the change is. And maybe people are allowed to be that little bit too close to things. Um, But speaking of that kind of sense of community, let me talk a little bit more about Twilight. Number one, (laughs) I want to say, when I'm talking about the, the community aspect of a fandom, I actually can't really tell why I loved Twilight as much as I did. I did like really long books because they were good value for money. I no longer feel that way. (laughs) But when I was a teenager, I was like, wow, 10 euro for 600 pages? I'm in. So that was one of the reasons I liked Twilight. And I had a friend who got into it at the same time. So we were able to just like talk about it all the time. She was dyslexic. So sometimes I have to wait a little bit, but that was fine. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> you oh know, that's what made it work. Um, and then I had this is I have to confess, I did write Twilight fan fiction. I think I've spoken about it on the pod before. It was pretty saucy. I think a lot of it was like 
maybe quite illicit scenes between um, Bella and Jacob, even though I was team Edward. So I'm not sure why. Well, I'll tell you why. Because Jacob was the more <laughs> attractive. He was he was sexier than Edward. Like he was. No. Is there like, is there like a weird... Yeah. Okay, can I... Is there something weird there that they're like, this is a Native American and he's more raw sexually. Like, is that a bit stereotypy? Edward's a dead Victorian man. There's only so much sexual stuff that you can have with <laughs> yeah. that. With like a living, breathing werewolf who's ripped. Did- and every time he like transforms and comes back, he's naked. Yeah, actually, that's such <laughs> like a good it, point. It just, it l- leads more towards sexy no. times. Instead, Edward broke the bed. He's obviously shagging. They had a great sex. It was like in that fourth book, he was supposed to be very sexy. And I will say my choice of man usually does resemble a more Edward type, you know, but I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that skews my vision. I think she said more than she's needed to say with that one. <laughs> Climbing in the windows. <laughs> Watching you while you sleep. I like a bit of a pervert. Okay, what can oh. I say? Edward's like, that's the thing though. I feel like in real life, Jacob would be like, probably kinkier. No, kinkier. But the whole thing about Edward is that he like, can't properly have sex with you because he might kill you. Yeah, but when she becomes a vampire, their sex is off the charts. Yes, when she becomes a vampire, when she dies and comes back to life, because that's the only way she can have sex with this person. You're such a Jacob stan when you hear you saying this stuff. I'm honestly shocked I would not have pinned you guys for... I wanted to be a vampire. For being sensible people. No, I wanted to be a werewolf. I want to be a vampire. I would never want to be a werewolf. Never werewolf. Oh no, I wanted to be a werewolf. I was very like, go to bed, arms crossed. Yeah, same. I love the taste of blood. I'm a vampire type little child. Same, same. I do see that for you actually. Uh, Lucy, I think you could have gone either way. <laughs> yeah, I d- I wouldn't like so that I'm terrified of being naked in public. So werewolf wouldn't work for me. <laughs> but I think you get used to it, like you acclimatize. I suppose with the vampire thing, you couldn't be naked because you'd just be glittering. I like the gli- like I like the campness of va- of mm. the vampires in Twilight in particular, where like I wanted to sparkle in the sun and be really cold, and I've always been really pale. So there was. No. I remember one time I got on stage in the Dragon when I was like nineteen to do a lip sync. And uh, the drag queen on stage, I can't remember who it was because this was a very, very long time ago now, was like, okay, Rosalie Cullen. So I think (laughs) for me, it was like, (laughs) from every description of them, I was as pale as them. (laughs) I actually, because you had like that really blonde hair then. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't a look. (laughs) I don't know. It was a look for the time. It it wasn't. (laughs) I'm willing to say it now. It definitely wasn't. Um, But yeah, and I feel like Twilight also built another fandom, Fifty Shades Grey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It walked so that Fifty Shades could run. Um, but when you look... Okay, so I was having some thoughts about Twilight. Obviously, it's problematic. Yeah. But like, also, it is like when you look at the level of abuse, you're like, okay, maybe we were all at too much of a formative age to think it was normal for our boyfriends to isolate us from our friends and kill us. Uh- <laughs> You oh, think? Okay, we're going down this road. <laughs> I mean, like, when, uh, jokes, just, jokes. Yeah, but it's done as like a as romantic thing, and especially you know the whole thing where she's reading like her favorite book is Romeo and Juliet, and it's all like star-crossed lovers and all this stuff. Um, but Romeo and Juliet was satirical a bit. Yeah, but not in the eyes of a teenage girl. In the eyes of a teenage girl, it is the most romantic thing to ever read. Not me personally, but. 
But that's why I'm saying we were too young. We didn't understand that Romeo and Juliet was a little yeah. bit satirical. You know, we just weren't there. Like looking back, I'm like, I hope that didn't shape what I was looking for. And then when I look at my boyfriends as a teenager, I'm like, oh, it definitely 100% did. Uh, no, absolutely. I know people who were in relationships that were so similar to situations that were happening like between Edward and Bella and then being like, but it's great because of this. And you're like, no, not at all. Mm-mm. Like, this is absolutely abusive. I think women's organizations have come out and spoken about it and being like, this is something yeah. that shouldn't be aimed at teenage girls, especially around the time. Like, what was that have been like 2010, 2009, like 2009? 2009, I think. Like, horrendous time for all of us to have been consuming that kind of media especially mm-hmm. in like conjunction with everything else that we're seeing but yeah. it was good it was great shit it was so good and also like I do feel like during like your sexual awakening it was perfect fodder and as I said so long so you could just be like oh I'm reading and your parents would be like that's fine she's not doing anything bold you'd be up there at yourself <laughs> no I can't okay, relate to that no speak for yourself <laughs> not Stephanie Myers writing no <laughs> like, she's not a good author I the host think, is great but I, the host was fucking great the, the host, the host? <laughs> did you read the host no oh, the host oh. was fucking great I would, I'm tempted to pull it out of the annals for you to find it um, no sorry one last point on Twilight Midnight Sun Finally, we get it. I read, mm. I used to pirate everything. I was a little pirater. I used to pirate things to my Kindle. How how lame is that? You don't um, get more of a loser than pirating things to a Kindle. I've done it recently. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. when you're like, <laughs> but thank you. At, at my age, it was definitely lame. I'm unemployed, so I'm allowed to do it now. Yeah, it's totally fine. I guess I was technically unemployed too. So <laughs> you get to pass. Um, I found an illegal rip of Midnight Sun the no way. and had it on my Kindle. I and had it. Yeah. I think it was one of the cooler things that's that I've ever done. <laughs> um, Midnight Sun is the first Twilight book, but from the perspective Edward. of Edward. Yeah. yeah. And isn't it, so I haven't read it. I do kind of want to. Isn't it like mental? I've heard that it can, it's very like he just wants to eat her the entire yeah. time. It's definitely, I think it's, it felt like for me, I remember reading and going, whoa, this is sexier. Which I suppose <laughs> like if something from the perspective of like a man probably should be a little bit hornier. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we've just reduced things a little bit too but that's, much. That's what we all wanted for Midnight Sun. And Stephanie sure. Mayer came through. Well, because Midnight Sun only came out a couple of years ago, right? No. So oh. the official Midnight Sun only came out recently-ish, didn't mm. it? The original, there is a leak of Midnight Sun back when the movies were out. I because believe. that's when she said that she wasn't going to write anymore about it. Because I think there was like backlash to it as well. Yeah. And yeah. the leaks and she got really annoyed about it and she was like, I'm done. I'm not finishing it. I'm not writing the book. I'm not publishing it. And everyone was like, what have you done? There was a lot of infighting in the Twilight mm. fandom um, about people who had read it and people who hadn't read it and like the purity of like not reading it and letting her do her thing and stuff instead of, you know, reading it and then critiquing about like an unfinished product um and yes then we never got it until a few years ago when she was probably like fuck i'm running out of money uh how can right. i do this <laughs> i'm a mormon <laughs> um yeah i i think you had a much more intellectual engagement with midnight sun i think for me i was like me horny edward book <laughs> <laughs> this makes sense as to why you're such an edward stan as well because you're getting his he was his like version. my first boyfriend <laughs> Okay, well that's no, a lot to unpack and we don't have the time. We're going to move on from that. And <laughs> I was, look, do you know what? I think a lot of us are experiencing that like feeling of like loneliness and being misunderstood at that age. And like 
Edward was a very understanding guy in a mm. lot of ways where like Bella was like a loner and he was like, oh, I like that you're a loner. And then part of us, our little tiny teenage brains were like, oh, yeah, cool. I like that you're a loner because it makes it easier to isolate you and be abusive. I'm now I'm we try to that. pull it back to like a nice, a the, nice there is no nice sentimental no, thing. I, I understand what you're saying and I can completely get that because I... I know I laughed at you for saying he was your boyfriend. I had so many fictional boyfriends as a teenager. Yeah, we all did. Oh, of course. You know, like I was, I remember there was that ghost book and she was in love with a ghost and only she could see the ghost and I was like obsessed with this man. I read that. I mean, good. only last year I had to stop watching Archer because I got very in love with the character of Archer. I was going through a breakup, okay? There was a lot of things. But um, I understand that of being like, you're a teenage girl and you've got hormones racing everywhere and teenage boys are so dumb and so you just want this man who's written by a woman as well you know yeah, of course yeah um to take you away and i was obsessed with him and i was obsessed with pretty much every um person as a teenage girl uh but yeah especially edward yeah i think that's yeah i think that's true um i still think that kate for the one of the stews from uh, below deck i love her <laughs> whenever she's on screen i'm like girlfriend at least she's real like archer is not real yeah, you're archer right. is a cartoon character bojack horseman though no fair Anyway, Julia, what's your big fandom? What's the big fandom of your life? I think as an adult, the big fandom of my life has probably been Drag Race. Again, I haven't connected to it so much. Like I wasn't on like Tumblr or anything like that. But I think a lot of the um, Drag Race conversations were happening on YouTube and on Twitter. So I was a little bit more connected to it via that. And the Drag Race fandom is messy and not in a fun way, Mm. like extremely toxic. I've always loved reality TV shows. And I really liked America's Next Top Model. And obviously Drag Race sort of pulls quite a bit from that. But it was people with actual talent, Mm. especially the earlier seasons, because you have really seasoned queens who've been like perfecting their craft for a very long time coming on and just doing like amazing stuff. Like 30 years sometimes. Yeah. Like insane. Like I've been in this business my entire life and now I'm here to perform for you guys. This is my full time job. (laughs) Exactly. And then you compare that to people being like, I kind of want to be a model, but I've never tried. I take selfies in my bedroom. Like the caliber of talent (laughs) is so much stronger. (laughs) And it was funny. It was camp. I did watch the first season and then not watch anything else because the first season looked like a potato. Mm-hmm. Like it was so badly shot. Yeah. <laughs> the quality is not great. And then my housemate um, that I was living with when I was moved to France was like, why aren't you watching Drag Race? You would absolutely love it. And I was like, well, the first season. He's like, no, no, no. Watch the like compilations. And he was like, watch compilations from Adora Delano. So by this time, season six had come out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then I really liked Adora Delano, but then I preferred someone else on the those things which was Bianca Del Rio oh of course Queen Bianca Del Rio is the reason that I watched all of Drag Race for as long as I did and then I got to see her at Pride this year and Louise friend of the pod we were both there like and honestly I turned to her at one point and I was like this is like how I feel I feel like how people must feel seeing Taylor Swift I was like this is like <laughs> I'm so fulfilled in this moment right now and she was just everything that I wanted her to be slightly problematic at one point she did point like she was like harassing someone in the audience which is what she does and that's like this person had yelled at her so like you're welcoming that energy and then she was like you're a straight girl at Pride so like you shouldn't be like da 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 and then the camera's turned to the girl it's like no she's not straight like, nothing about this woman is straight um, so but great all together so I watched season 6 then I went backwards and I watched all the other seasons and then I watched like pretty much everything I sort of dipped off around season 12 because I was like I just can't anymore and like it just wasn't it's overproduced the edit is too much mm. and the fandom is insane like originally it was like this wholesome place for like queer people to kind of come together and discuss like 
really cool art that we were seeing that was really fun and it's now turned into racist, fatphobic, like harassment. Queens being harassed across the board and I have pulled some of like the bigger issues. Drag Race is rife with scandal from the show itself and like the edit and the way that like the editors have done things and producers have done things obviously like pushes this narrative there's always a villain and stuff like that but when the villain is someone who's black they get treated so much worse mm-hmm. than if they're anything else um so we've had like such situ- like coco montries that's who's coming to mind for me oh coco montries what a what a great villain <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like i feel like her villain edit was like so harsh. I watched it back a few years ago and I was like, Jesus, like there's no need for that. <laughs> yeah, I also think the Vixen. Oh, the Vixen for sure. The Vixen was was coming in hot and heavy anyway, but then like the edit was just absolutely crazy mm-hmm. and the way she was treated because the Vixen, like I feel like Coco Montrese, the edit was bad, but we weren't talking online as much about it. Yeah. Whereas by the time the Vixen comes along, the edit is bad and everyone's online having these conversations and like, tagging people going onto your Instagram comments and just like completely like destroying you I think one of the biggest ones or the biggest problems was uh, Valentina (laughs) when Valentina got kicked off because she didn't know the lyrics to the song tried to do a lip sync with a mask on had to be told to take the mask off I'd like to keep it on iconic iconic moment like such a look queen like she was beautiful and then Nina Bonina Brown did her job did a great lip sync as she always did, kicked Valentina off and then they'd had a conversation prior to like the show airing where uh, Nina Bonina Brown was like, oh, I'm a little nervous that your fans might come for me. And Valentina was like, don't worry, like if that happens, like I'll step in. The fans came for her mm-hmm. and Valentina said nothing. And then Shea Coulee brought it up at the reunion, which was just like chef's kiss adore all of this but like that keeps happening you see this happen again with Naomi Smalls when she gets rid of Manila Luzon mm-hmm. which was insane it was and like, that heartbreaking. was heartbreaking because that was Manila's season yeah all stars all stars yeah all stars two or three three four? four four it was four and also because all of the other all stars winners had been white women so it was like finally we're gonna like we're, yeah. we're getting a person of color who absolutely deserves it mm-hmm. and then Naomi Smalls because she was able to send someone home because she won her lip sync and there was no way she was winning with Manila in the competition did the shady thing of getting rid of Manila mm. like it was great TV but it was also heartbreaking to watch and there's a moment where you can see RuPaul's face sort of like falter because he's like well now because truly the next best person after that was another white woman and so it was very problematic yeah. was that the jewel winner season? yeah, yeah. which also the, oh, I did not think that the white woman deserved it at all that time I I think she did. I didn't I've never liked her, so I'm oh, biased. fair. I think she performed better. I think a Jill winner wasn't like an issue particularly. I just don't think it should have been Monet Exchange. I think it should have been what's her name and now I can't remember. Oh see, I'm a Monet person. I, I really like her. I love Monet, but I don't think she performed as well as other woman whose name I now cannot remember. <laughs> oh, like, that's great. <laughs> I know. And I can never remember her name. Monique Hart. Oh, I love Monique. I like Monique She as well. did so well mm. on that season. And if there was a Jill winner, which there was, but it should have been her over Monet. That's the only thing I have. But I also don't think Monet like did not deserve it. Mm-hmm. You know? I just think Monet is quite consistent. But of course, that's not actually what Drag Race comes down to. No, Because I value a reliable queen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone that will just get the job done. Every time. What, like somebody who brings it, brings it to the runway once a season doesn't deserve it. No. 
Well, see, I think Monique Hart was, was more consistent in that season. She was. But, so, like, Naomi Smalls gets absolutely trashed online. We see the same thing happen when Latrice Royale sends home Valentina in their All-Stars, gets trashed online. You also have things like, in terms of follower count, lot, like the, the most followed people are all white queens, also mostly skinny queens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there is fat phobia in the <laughs> drag race is fat phobic. Yeah, I think Violet Chachki is the most followed. Her and Trixie with 1.2 million followers. Katja is 1.2 million, sorry. Sasha Valor 1.1. Uh, Pearl, who didn't win, but <laughs> she it is did iconic. Pearl. <laughs> Pearl smash. Um, sorry, I've just realised that Violet Chachki looks like if Maddie Healy was in, doing drag. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Yes, you're not incorrect. I, like, just collision of phantoms. <laughs> um, sorry, I lied. Alaska it has 1.3 million. I fucking hate Alaska. And then you look at like Latrice Royale, 635,000. Eureka, 355,000. Ginger Minge, 363,000. I thought I like Ginger She's great. Sorry, she, I love Ginger Minge. Ginger Minge is fantastic. Um, Mystique Summers, 22.7. Like, Stacey Dane Matthews, 85.6. Like, there's such a significant mm. drop that you're like, eh, it's a little bit, a little bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Julia figures out people are racist. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just... Like, they're a messy, messy group of people. And even, like, the queens are all talking about it themselves. Like, they're being very, like, you guys need to stop. Like, this is not okay. But they just keep going for it. And it's just so catty. It's become an area where people lean into being really bitchy. And then it makes it just hard to sort of enjoy the show. So I do consider myself a part of the old sort of fandom of Drag Race but I've definitely distanced myself I don't think the show is as good as it was and it's also just expanded too mm. much for me to kind of keep up with but also the people who talk about it online are really horrible <laughs> yeah I definitely see that I think in the first few seasons I was like you more inclined to like be in the YouTube comments but like I think when, around when I stopped watching it it was like kind of hard to be in the YouTube comments yeah. although like maybe I was just not looking in the right places I found that Drag Race UK there wasn't so much of that shit I do agree. I think there definitely was, it sort of eased up a little bit around that. And I wonder if that was mainly because more European people were watching it and like the humour. <laughs> we were just so happy that it was on our side of the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we <we're just> like, <laughs> we just got to keep this going and it's fine. Um, I mean, who knows? I, I, think, I think the UK show also was such like a novelty in the beginning of being mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this has happened. That, that eclipsed everything else. And now... Actually, I don't know what I don't know what it would be like, but I think the US one had just been going on for so long. It was like, well, we gotta just get into it, and we're just gonna be super racist. Like people were sending the monkey emoji to um, oh my god, Bibi, Bibi, Bibi Zahara, Benay, Benay, because she kicked off somebody, Aja. Aja was shit. Aja was shit. Asha lost. Like, that's it is what it is. And they were like flooding her comments, like harassment. Someone like sent death threats to um, Asia O'Hara saying they were going to burn her alive. What? Because she was like the one black woman who was in the the final four of her season, which was deserved. She was fantastic. Like, it's just the level of hatred. I will never understand what possesses you to send a death threat to anybody. <laughs> like, Me neither. What gets you? I know. So, like, At least so not as an adult. <laughs> I'm not sure if I did or not as a teenager. Like, I'm pretty sure you didn't. Like, imagine, like, sitting down and being, and, like, about a TV show God. that is, like, manufactured and then being like, do you know what? I think someone deserves to die. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to send a death threat to this person I don't know for a reason that doesn't warrant death 
anyway, which is just like existence or maybe doing a song I don't like or tr- like kicking off someone else and playing the game that I'm watching. Yeah. Like it's so bizarre to me. Yeah, I get that. There's, there's only one time. This is a vague oh my God. <laughs> analysis. No, no, no. You're going to agree with me, but I'm not sure if you watched that season. In Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, when Kelsey Grammer cheated on Camille Grammer on TV, I, I could have killed that man. I should have sent him a death threat. Looking back, I nearly would send him one today. <laughs> okay, I agree with you. I just couldn't believe he'd embarrass her like that. Mm, and she was such a good dancer. So. You know, we all looked at me there when you said she's a really good dancer. I'm like, um, what? <laughs> you've, I looked at you because you've watched Beverly Hills. I um, have. I, yeah, I said I felt, I felt very bad for her. Thank you. Whereas Julia's predominantly rowdy. Yeah, love it. Yeah. I'm part of that oh, fandom. Yeah, sorry. Those are technically fandoms I kind of forgot. Yeah, I don't... I, whenever I think of a fandom, I always think of like something almost feral. And so I never really put things, also things that maybe older people enjoy or something, you know, even though there is a lot of, also actually, it does kind of almost lean itself into like celebrity gossip. Is it a fandom or is it just right. really obsessed with a celebrity? So I never really take like those reality TV shows into account um, in comparison to like musicians or actors or TV shows and stuff. I agree with you. I think the closest thing I've had to a fan, fandom in the last year is definitely fandom from Brules. Yes. And I would never post online talking about the worm, okay? But like me and Jack will be like, I wish he died. <laughs> <laughs> Someone should run him over. <laughs> he is a very bad person. I would send a death threat to him. I like I But I, I, I wouldn't, but I think it. I think it. Yeah, yeah, I think it. But that's the difference. It's the act think of it. actually doing it. Yeah. I think the thing that I enjoy now as an adult is like plugging back in periodically into the things that I would have been like a bigger fan of or more actively part of um, when I was younger because mm-hmm. I, I have all the context and then when the juicy things happen then I'm like ooh I'm going to learn all about this and then I can just skedaddle back out there same like the Try Guys when yeah. that yeah. whole thing happened with Ned I was eating that up I, I knew everything that was going on I listened to every piece of content that came out about it and then I was like okay I'm done with this now yeah I, I agree I think we being an adult and understanding the level of which you can healthily be part of a fandom uh, is great. Yeah, you can't get lost in the weeds like you used to. But it is nice to always have that context. So I'm very glad that I was obsessed with so many things as a teenager or like a young woman in her mid to late, no, mid to early 20s. I was like mid to late 20s, that was a year ago. Um, So that I have that context and can always be like, okay, well, I know what's going on. It's like when I used to dip back into Coronation Street every now and again. Oh, I haven't watched that in ages. I've been too far from it to ever get back, but... Maybe we should sit down and watch it as part of Drunkcast. I'd love to. I miss the soaps. I really do. I used to be really big in Hollyoaks, which is over I was over a Hollyoaks girl. It's over. Hollyoaks? Oh, Hollyoaks is over. I could be lying. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Stardall was over and it's not. Wait, let me just, you keep talking, let me Sorry, check. Sorry, all of the murders and and like, I was going to say rape. storylines. Yeah, but like the people being like raped by a guy in the town. I'm, I wasn't like, oh yeah, rape. But I was like, wow, this is like... Real Thick life. and juicy. One town somewhere in England where all of this happens. Uh, then no. you became an adult woman and you were like, oh no. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's too close to home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> no, sorry. It is still ongoing. And um, currently, Hollyoaks confirms Ella and Warren's story after prom disaster. That's the current big storyline. So Maybe we should like... I think we should get back into Hollyoaks. <laughs> I'm tempted. Well, Remember the omnibus? No. Yeah, the Saturday omnibus. Yeah. <laughs> do, you know who, do you know who we're in? An episode of Hollyoaks. McFly. 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 Yay. <laughs> McFly are in that movie. What Wait, is sorry. this? Just my look. Yes. I watched that recently. <laughs> Guys, but of 
obviously they were in Hollyoaks. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, they were in Just My Look. Yeah. I forgot. Oh, I got that movie on DVD and watched that movie religiously because such McFly good, were in it. But I, I, it's just such a good movie too. Who was the guy again? It was Chris Pines. Chris Pines. Yeah. Just, just Chris Pines, not Chris Pines. Chris Pines. <laughs> is it not Pines? It's Pine. <laughs> it's Pine. Can I just get, take a moment to say, have you seen the Cillian Murphy shit? No. Oh no! What? Please don't. <laughs> so, no. you know, you know, Killian Murphy, the actor. Yeah, yes, I yes, knew yes. Where this is going. So there was a tweet about um, mm. someone is at the Barbie premiere and they have a handbag and on one side it's Oppenheimer, one side it's Barbie, and so they get Margot Robbie to sign it. And Margot goes, "Well, I hope that you meet Killian so that you can get the other side um, signed." And someone quote tweeted and was like. I was today years old when I knew it was pronounced Killian. Americans all across the world were calling him Cillian. They thought that it was. Yeah, I actually did know that. Sorry, it's like Gillian Jacobs. Like, I know that it's her God-given name, but why did her mum call her the wrong thing? I can't. I actually know. And the girl who quoted it, because everyone was going mad at her. She was actually very like, look, I'm sorry. It just didn't really... You know, they say Sierra and stuff. Obviously, it would be Cillian. But my favourite was a little tweet where someone was like, oh, I always thought it was pronounced like chilli. So they were going to call them chilli. <laughs> I kind of get that one. What? No, there's no H. There's no H. <laughs> no, but sometimes it's the... Like, um, no, no. <laughs> I'm you take tr- your time and try and think of something and we'll just finish the episode. <laughs> oh, God. There is no H. That is... Not I'll English. give them Cillian. I will not give them chicken. No, I thought it's cute. It's cuter. Um, I have a. I've made a fake sound bite in my head, and I can't get it out. And it's Scallion Murphy. <laughs> this is going to be like Benedict Cumberbatch, where the name just kind of keeps evolving keeps into like nice. different things. Sorry for derailing it there, but it just it popped into my head, and I was like, everyone needs to know about Cillian Murphy. I thought this was an off pot aside, and then when, as we were saying, I was like, this is too good to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has to go in. But to bring it back around to Chris Pine and yeah, the Pines. Pine. Also, he's like, so we have him in, what's it called again? We just spoke about just it. Just My Look. Just My Look with McFly. And then he does uh, Don't Worry Darling with Harry Styles from One Direction. Yeah. So he's got like a habit of being in movies with these pop stars that oh, teenage girls are in love with. Is there something bigger happening here? He's also in Star Trek, which is another huge fandom. That's so true. So maybe he's just a fandom whore. Are there any boy bands in... Childish Gambino is in at Star Wars. Oh, I've yeah. lost it. Don't. You're going to anger a lot of people by I said Star those. Wars. I didn't confuse <laughs> We're a girl them. podcast. We don't understand these things. We don't know. Um, so my big fandom for people who don't know is I'm a really big Swifty. Uh, I am obsessed with Taylor Swift uh, from a very young age. But I used to hide it quite a bit because I didn't want it to get out there because it was a bit embarrassing. Which... Uh, it's actually one of my big gripes with how many people are going for these bloody tickets at the moment because I'm like, where were you? We, when I was in the trenches, where were you? I paid 600 euros to go see her at Reputation. Where were you? Anyway, I digress. Um, but she has probably one of the biggest fandoms that are in the most like news and stuff at the moment. There's a lot going on. So like even just from this year, some of the stuff that's gone on, um, as probably everyone knows about Maddie Healy. So... Taylor, unfortunately, broke up with Joe Alwyn this year after six years and promptly started dating resident rap boy, rat Maddie Healy, <laughs> who we all love on this pod. Flushed away. <laughs> he literally does. Violet Chachki. 
Um, <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> and Manny Healy is very problematic for a number of reasons. Um, like on tour, there's the Nazi salute. There's the <sighs> stuff about um, the porn that he watches that's very disrespectful towards black women. Oh, um, no, I did that, not let's know Let's not say the phrase. Then. I'm not going to say the phrase, okay. but like it is... It's horrific. Um, there was him making fun of like Ice Spice and like making like anti-Asian comments. Um, he's just generally been a bit of a, a sketchy dude. Like I've always found that he just feels a bit off. He's slimy. Yeah, very slimy. So Taylor started dating him and instantly the fandom erupted and was like, what are you doing to our brand? You can't be dating this guy. This is where the whole unionizing of Swifties came from. You know, they with very context, went- I'm like, mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they went like full Jerry succession. Yeah, one hundred succession. They really did, um, and we're trying to get her to dump him. Uh, they did eventually break up, and I think that that it did lend itself a lot to that. Oh, for one hundred percent. I like. I think that her brand managers were like, "Stop it! Yeah. Stop it!" But so, I was like experiencing this very much on the outskirts of just being like, "Something's happening over there," but I don't want to wade in. Why did she break up with the other guy? So. Because I know like loads of people unfollowed him after like they've been seen having, which is also like we shouldn't have access to this information. Oh, we shouldn't. Like bad. It was rumoured cheating, wasn't it? So this is, hmm, the rumoured cheating came from all the unfollowing. There's no. And the dinners. They were like, she went for a dinner with her girls. So they cheated. I'm like, that's not how oh, dinner with the girls goes. I is, don't know about you. <laughs> this is the problem, though, with the whole fandoms and parasocial relationships mm. where all it takes is one person in a fandom to go and they'll have like a big Twitter following or something because they're like the head of some fan club or whatever. And they'll say, this is the reason. And people think that, OK, well, well, they must know this is a good source, even though it's probably some 14 year old in fucking Iowa or something. I don't know who's made this up and people run with it. But um, yeah, they were together for six years. Apparently it was a mutual decision, mm. but then it was leaked by his people. Um, and that's why people unfollowed him, um, like Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Uh, but there could have been cheating. I don't know. Um, it was all a very sad because a lot of her last few albums have been directly about him and he's helped like write a lot of stuff. They were together for six years. Everyone thought they were married as well. So I think just the speed at which she was then suddenly with Maddie Healy. Like he was with her dad. He was pictured with her dad and everything. Ew. Yeah, but they, they, apparently they were like quite close, I suppose. Um, I think there was like a lot of sadness about Joe Alwyn because of Lover because I think Lover, yeah. Lover came out at like such a special time in a lot of people's lives. I don't know. I feel like this summer that Lover came out I was like really into Lover. Was that 2019? I think it was 2019. What? Every, every good thing that happened to me at Ash happened that year. Uh, I was on holidays. It was the same year that that Brockhampton album came out. Uh, oh, Ginger. Um, I think it was 2019. Man, I long for 2019. <laughs> Take me back. I should probably know that. Uh, anyway, but yeah. So Maddie Healy out the door. Some notable also moments from that is him spray painting. So when he came to Dublin and he was his own support for the 1975, when he spray painted sorry question mark on it, everyone was like, this is a, a sign to Taylor Swift. Something's gone on. What is it? Um, and then he he also like cried on stage at one point. There was a whole thing. Um, I'm very Pride upset about rain. it. <laughs> like the weather's Who been weird. <laughs> um, but then they broke up. Uh, I don't know if, yeah, 
Taylor Swift's management were like, hey, we need to cut this out because the fans were rioting. Like there was a lot of stuff, a lot of people burning their merchandise, a lot of people burning their vinyls, saying that like Taylor Swift doesn't represent them anymore because she's dating such a horrific person. She also then brought on Ice Spice one of the nights and everyone was like, how can you do a song with someone that your boyfriend was slagging off? Um, so that, that was pretty so big false didn't it like it really throwing did. up that really terrible Ice Spice verse Ice Spice did come to her yeah true but like how long did it take Taylor to respond was it until she'd done everything <laughs> and then she's like oh my god sorry missed this this was <laughs> in my oops <laughs> this went into my private messages sorry I've just been like offline for a while <laughs> I'm actually off grid notoriously I'm a very private person <laughs> I mean for those two years she was after the whole Kanye West stuff yeah, you're a stan though, so you're going to say I am, I am that. a very big stan. Um, I, so I have a lot of questions and theories and conspiracy theories that I'm making up on the spot. Like the whole, people know that the fans react this way. They do this about like Beyonce, Beehive have been, like mm-hmm. if I, we put up a thing on the, on like polls of being like, what like fandoms are you part of and or scared of? And most people came back with being like still scared of Beehive. Yeah. Largely, I think, because of the whole Rachel Ray, mm-hmm. Becky with the good hair situation. Mobilised very quickly. Not fun to be around. But they haven't really done much sort of since then. Taylor Swift and K-pop fans, I think right now, are probably the ones that I wouldn't want to like reckon yeah. with. Everyone knows that people are looking at everything that's happening with like a microscope. So I find it really interesting that she goes on all of these dinners with all of these famous people who then afterwards all unfollow, like, because it was mm-hmm. like over a period of time, follow this man. I'm like, that has to have been a calculated decision. There definitely does have to be something in it. But also, you know, it's a breakup. So like, even if they, there was no cheating, but you had a bad breakup and you're like, hey, you're my friends. Don't follow my ex anymore. Like, it could be something as simple as that, but it just gets blown out of proportion. I will say, because this little thing that um, fans mobilise quickly and they go after people. So after the whole Red, where she released the 10-minute version of All Too Well, which is infamously, (laughs) allegedly, about Jake Gyllenhaal, but we all know that it is, um, people went after him. Like, his his whole Instagram was covered in comments about people saying, like, fuck you, people sending him death threats. Even on Maggie Gyllenhaal's, uh, Instagram. It's not fair. Maggie Gyllenhaal didn't yeah, do anything. She did nothing. There was, and it wasn't even, it kind of gave me a little bit of a icky feeling because it wasn't just um, relegated to the fandoms and like comments on Instagram and young girls going after him. Like the media was also doing yeah. it and companies yeah. were trying to buy into it or you'd see people at bars and stuff putting up like on the big screen, fuck you, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, a lot of people making reference to it and trying to cash in on it when. Yeah, probably he did some bad stuff and she was a young girl and this whole thing happened all those years ago. But at the end of the day, he's still a human being and you can't go that hard after someone after all those years. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Also, at the same time, it is taking them off the the one true dickhead of the Taylor Swift saga, which is John Mayer. Did you see, though, that she came out? So she did uh, Dear John. And she's never done Dear John. She performed Dear John during the Speak Now tour years ago when she was 19 years old and she's never performed Dear John since then. So she does all these secret songs at each gig um, and she starts introducing that she's going to do Dear John and everyone's like freaking out. She never plays this. And so she has to make a disclaimer at the start to be like, hey, I wrote this song when I was 19. I actually don't give a fuck about anything that happened. 
And this song is about someone, it's a really long intro that she goes through, but she's basically saying, please do not go after John Mayer. Like when this album comes out, yeah. do not go this hard. People had sent him death threats before and he put them up on his Instagram story because he replied to them going, I think someone said, I hope you choke to death or whatever. And he was like, why would you wish that on me? And then the fan started backtracking. Um, but yeah, she went out of her way to be like, please do not send. She's like, I'm over it. I don't believe she is over it because she also wrote would have, could have, should have on her last album. She's not over it. Like she shouldn't. I don't know if she should be over it. When you listen to Dear John, it's like so sad, especially as like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get sad about it. Um, especially as like when I'm a grown adult now, mm-hmm. much closer to Taylor Swift's age now than I want, <laughs> I am 19. It's such a sad song. Didn't you know I was too young to be messed with? Oh, it is. It's a really sad song. And I think it really stands. And if you listen to Would Have, Could Have, Should Have as well. <clears throat> she also, like, it, there's a lot of emotion in that. And she's like, give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. Aww. And like, it's a really emotionally charged song. But I, so I don't know if her saying that she's over it is actually true. Or if she's like, I'm just going to say this because it's not fair to send this much hate. Because there's so many Taylor yeah. Swift fans. There's I, so I, many. You're right. I like, I don't agree with that. death threats. But I, I'd like... From the narratives we've heard of other women who've gone out with John Mayer, he's also been yeah, an asshole. Right. That's why I'm willing to be like, maybe John Mayer is an asshole. No, 100% he is. I think she but does. Assholes are allowed to exist. They are, she has a duty of care at this point. Yeah. And I do kind of admire to that. John I know to John Mayer, I don't feel great saying it, but I think after the whole Jake Gyllenhaal stuff, and she just has so much power that you, you have to step in at some point and say I don't do this and she knows full well people are going to still do it but at least yeah. she has said I don't want this just cover her ass a bit yeah. um, sorry one tiny thing on Jake Gyllenhaal there's an episode of um, Mystery Show about what how tall Jake Gyllenhaal is because apparently he'd never admit it <laughs> and they do a full investigation which actually gets to Jake Gyllenhaal oh. like they, at the, the end of the episode they get a response from Jake Gyllenhaal highly recommend it it was one of my favourite podcasts of all time it was cancelled by fucking... Kim. Oh, is this... Yeah. What, what podcast? Mystery Show. It was the precursor to Heavyweight, basically. Is, she, is it a girl? Who yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Star... Starly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's on my list. Great drama surrounding that. Anyway, listen to that episode. It's so funny. That's gross. Right. So, I think a nice way of wrapping up our episode on fandoms is to talk about your least favourite fandom name. You know when they have stupid names? Oh, Yeah. What do we have? So we have Beliebers. The best moment of Beliebers is Justin Bieber going to the Anne Frank house and writing in <laughs> the book Anne Frank would have been a Belieber. Like, <laughs> sorry, this is also heavy. I forgot about but that. But you remember how intense the Beliebers got with the whole yeah. like cutting and stuff? Remember no. that? Yes. Do you not remember this cutting for Justin Bieber? Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. It was, I think it was started on 4chan or something that, they, that these guys oh, wanted yes, to like trick girls and it actually it took off. Took off. There was a time where Believers and Directioners were warring with each other. Yeah. Not unlike the Selena versus Haley mm-hmm. stuff that's happening. It sort of died down now. But like it was so intense and because I wasn't on Tumblr I was, but I was seeing it everywhere. It was being referenced in everything. And I was just like, I remember having a thought of being like, is this what life is going to be like from now on? Where this is like the conversations that we're always going to be seeing. I actually don't know if I can handle this. To be fair, I think they do have that with like idol groups and like K-pop groups. Mm. We're just not part Very of those conversations. Yeah. The one thing I will say that I adore K-pop groups for doing is when they mass booked those tickets for the Donald Trump rallies. Mm. 
Um, and so then therefore the Republicans were like we're going to have a massive turnout and then it was really really embarrassingly low and I was looking up I was looking into this a little bit for this episode and the theory is that these people are so used to having to scramble for tickets not unlike how people are scrambling for Taylor Swift tickets mm-hmm. at the moment that they have all of these like tips and tricks to basically get as many tickets as possible that's incredible if, if only people mobilised in the right way mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> think of what we could achieve I if. know maybe we should start Getting these fandoms, like trying to repurpose them for our own selfish gains. Actually, no, that sounds bad. We don't agree with that. <laughs> no, we don't agree with human trafficking good. in some way. <laughs> okay, well, I wasn't going there. Hear me Whoa. out. We start a union. <laughs> um, for the greater good. Um, I personally have always hated Katie Katz. Is that... Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Of course it is. It's not a good name. And I think it could have been so much better. I mean, I get it, but it just gets... It's, it's not good. It's a bit cringe. But I think it's brand specific. I, I don't... I think it like, explains yeah. Yeah. Katy Perry to a T. <laughs> yeah, sure. I just, for some reason, it's always irked me. What is... Little Monsters was Lady Gaga? Yeah, it's Gaga. Didn't like that. I kind of like Little Monsters because it's the monster ball. I understand it. I don't like it. I think having names your- is also just like... Put your paws up. Or is it claws? I think it's claws. <laughs> Not paws. That's furries. <laughs> Not your paws. The furries are... Is, I was a member of the Lady Gaga fandom. I've just absolutely flubbed it in the one time I could show up. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Um, I'm just... I just... The best fandom names in pop. Um, and there's also... like So there's like Shawn Mendes versus Mendes Army. But I love oh. Lewis Capaldi's because it's um, Big Fat Sexy Jungle Cats. <laughs> We'll give him that for sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if anybody's like self-identifying as a big fat sexy <laughs> That definitely feels like the spaghetti religion, the spaghetti monster Black thing. Monster. Yeah, it's got a similar vibe, I feel. <laughs> Carly Rae Jepsen fans are gypsies and I don't like that because it just doesn't sound mm. very PC, you know. No, it sounds like a slur. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a slur. Uh, who else was there? What is... Um, her name now escapes me. I can see her face. She used to have neon hair. This could be Rihanna. I know. Rihanna. No. What are, does Rihanna's have? Yeah, they're called the Navy. The Navy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I actually. Sorry? I'm pretty sure they're called the Navy. Have I lost my <laughs> no, mind? No, I think you are correct. Now, who am I thinking? Nicki Minaj. Oh, the Barbs. The Barbs. The Barbs. I love I the Barbs. I also don't fully understand that. Barbie. Because she's Barbie. Is she? <laughs> yeah, that was the whole thing at the start of her career. She was blonde. She wore a lot of pink. That's actually very true. I'd forgotten about that. So that's why they're called the Barbs. And that's why it would have been a crying shame if she hadn't have been on the Barbie soundtrack. But she is. And I do like the song. Sorry, guess what Adele's are called? Oh, I don't know. All right, Governor. (laughs) (laughs) Daydreamers. No, I hate that. That is so stupid. I had such... Oh, no. I had such... Oh my god! It's like 2007 came alive in my body when you said that. I just wanted to go gay. We're no married. Are the hooligans? Oh, oh no, they wish. There's, there's nobody who's less of a hooligan than Bruno <laughs> <laughs> little Bruno Mars. Oh no, wait, sorry, Ellie Goulding, Gould Diggers. Oh, that's cute. That is good. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'm trying to find any. If weird you had ones. to have a, if you had to have a fandom, what would you call it? About like myself. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I think I'd go with Lucy Goosey's. <laughs> oh, I like that for that you. That is really good. I'm trying to think, like... Hashtags. <laughs> oh, I like that too. <laughs> These are all very cute sounding yeah. names. Uh, what would our podcast one be? 
The instinct is to say the cops, but then a cab. So like that doesn't work out. Imagine. We're thinking right, the cops are real big fans of us. <laughs> we love our coppers. Blue lives matter. <laughs> coppers. That would just be like people. Are like, are you obsessed with the nightclub or the podcast? Oh, we could call them or copper the faces. <laughs> the, the copper faces. I don't want to be attributed to that horrible, horrible place. I think the word cop just can't be in- included yeah. in it, unfortunately. No. The odds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like not like the other girls would have had better options for, for this. We don't speak about that. <laughs> it's a different time. Don't know her. That's, that's lore. That's lore that only some people will be aware of. And cop on. on. Uh, my cop on today is dedicated to two of my co-workers who, upon strict instruction not to tell people about the fact that I have a secret podcast, told people I had a secret podcast. Uh, okay, I'm not like actually mad, but like, what the hell, guys? There's like one rule about pod club. My cop on this week is for Ticketmaster, who unfortunately waitlisted me for a Taylor Swift general sale code. Uh, I do have a pre-sale code, thank the Lord, but I have been waitlisted. Um, and for some reason, my sister got one. So thanks, Ticketmaster. You should really just cop on. My cop on this week is Ikea. And I like to set the scene. So my mother and I show up because she needs curtains and I have nothing to do. We go and we're like, we're going to have a nice little lunch. This is what she likes to do. We go to Ikea, have a little lunch and then go look around everything and buy things we don't need. And vegan options. Okay, not great. Both of us not super hungry. And there are these little side salads that are like lettuce, tomato, cucumber covered in a little bit of cling film. We grab them and then we're like, there has to be dressing because... Of course, you have dressing with a salad. We ask six different members of staff who keep being like, the dressing's over there and point to different places. It takes us 10 minutes to eventually find someone who goes, no, we don't have dressing. You have vinegar over there. It's malt vinegar. Ew. There is oh, no, no olive oil. There is no, like if they just had olive oil and a balsamic. We are two French women holding oh. our bowl of salad being like, we can't eat this. Of course, we've already bought it at this point no. because we were promised that vinaigrette existed somewhere and it did not. So to Ikea, cop on. Not impressed. Thanks so much for listening uh, and thank you for being a fan. <laughs> uh, please follow us on Instagram at thecopon underscore pod. Join us next time when we're talking about how drag queens actually are ruining. Na, 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 na. <laughs> careful with your hands because they're making whooshy noises that wasn't mine that wasn't my I it's didn't her vagina my- good god <laughs>